This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood-Hessian. Hey, we have a guest on the show today. It's been a minute since we've had a guest, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Emily Rashal. She is a personal development coach. She runs retreats. She has a podcast called Gather and Growth, and she does all of that in the middle of Illinois, where it takes her 45 minutes to get to a Walmart. I love this conversation because personal growth stuff used to only be available to corporate kind of situations. And Emily followed her inner thrive guide, and now she's serving women in rural communities in big, bold, badass, beautiful ways. Here we go. Emily, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I feel like we are kindred spirits in a way that I didn't even realize until seven minutes ago when I met you live <laughs> for the first time. So that's Agreed. always fun. Always fun. This is the cool thing about the world of podcasting. Amen. So I found you because mm. one of my clients and dear friends, Brenna Beard, is starting a lot of TikTok content as a young woman in the ag space who is running her own little family farm and working for an ag company and just kind of starting to be the Alex Earl of small town USA. You know, she's yes. doing get ready with me and she's young and she's fun and she's a little spicy and wild. And as I started following more of of these types of accounts helping and supporting her as her coach, you popped into my feed as a fellow woman in rural America. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with your approach. And I think it is because we have a very similar view on mm -hmm. what I call write your own story. Yeah. And, and you're providing that kind of support for young women in rural communities. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Tell us a little bit about that and who you're working with and what you're doing and just a little bit about your vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I love that that is how you found me because that is exactly how I would want to bring someone into my circle. I think for contests, it, it's worth explaining. I did not grow up in agriculture. I never really even considered the world of Ag. Um, I grew up in what I thought was a small town in the Metro East St. Louis, Southern Illinois area. I really thought that we were out there because I could see tractors. I like love driving around on back roads through cornfields, went to the county fair, you know, know what John Deere was. And compared to everyone I went to college with who was from the Chicago area, like I was really small town. But as luck or fate would have it, I met myself a handsome farmer. Farms don't move, so people do. So here we are in West Central Illinois, 45 minutes from Walmart, an hour and a half from Target on his family farm. So we are many generations deep growing corn and soybeans, raising two kids with one on the way. And just, yeah, I got almost seven years ago, or a little over seven years ago, got thrown into this world of farm wifery and what it means to truly live rural. 
which honestly, if I think back and look at what I hoped the trajectory of my life would look like, it's this. I'm sitting here in my dining room looking out over my yard and seeing a cornfield and then trees behind that. And it is just, you know, picture perfect in that way. But transitioning to that life wasn't necessarily picture perfect. And even though I married in and was really proud of the heritage we had and the life we were creating here, I didn't really see myself fitting into that other than just in the capacity of being Andrew's wife and being a farm mom. Professionally, I started my career as an elementary school teacher. I taught fourth grade for five years. I mean, how picturesque. They write country songs about this, the farmer and the teacher and the, oh my how cute is this? And it's so funny because even thinking back to my first or second year in the classroom, I had this moment where my students left at the end of the day and I'm like, is this it? Even though this is any, everything I've ever wanted since third grade on, like, I'm going to be a teacher. I love kids. Like I'm thriving. And I was a good teacher. I'm not going to deny that. But I had this unsettled feeling even at that time that there's something else that I meant for, but immediately reverted back to, well, you went to school. You got your teaching degree. This is all that you're qualified to do. Who else would hire you? What else could you even do? Yada, yada, yada. So kindly shoved that feeling back down. And in Enneagram 3, jumped right back into doing the best I possibly could in teaching. Then in another turn of events, after my son was born, I was on my maternity leave that went into summer and saw a position posted for a local nonprofit, specifically the YMCA as a program director. And so on a like total leap of faith, applied, interviewed, got that job, spent four years in the nonprofit space, which really pushed me outside of that comfort zone of what I thought was possible. You know, I was hired for things that I was good at, leading summer camp, facilitating after school, planning special events. But being in a small town nonprofit, I got thrown into understanding HR and marketing and balancing a budget and fundraising and getting invested in the community and It was just such an eye-opening experience of, wow, I really thought that there was only one specific thing that I was meant for and that I could do. And now here I'm being pushed into all of these new situations that no one's ever explained to me before. And I'm just figuring it out and thriving along the way. And it was in my time there that after my daughter was born, I went through a really personally profound health journey that brought me into the world of personal growth. And it's at that point in time that I started getting really invested in surrounding myself in that space, listening to different podcasts, reading books, following, I guess what you would call influencers in this world of personal growth and goal setting and habits and, you know, creating vision for your life, all of that. Meanwhile, I'm also trying to establish who am I in, who am I in this like realm of rural America on the farm as a I couldn't even necessarily at that point identify as a woman in agriculture. I have these really great friends from college who are supportive of me, but don't aren't living the same kind of life that we are, who don't know what it's like for your husband to be gone during harvest or just the nuances that come right. with right. groceries being so far away. And so I kind of felt like I was walking in between two worlds of here I am in the small town community that I love. I don't want that to change. I want to raise our family on the farm. But now all of a sudden I'm being pushed into the space of growth and like, what does it look like to create a life of intentionality and set goals and do really intense healing work and things like that? And at the time, 
I didn't see an intersection between the two. And so it kind of became this why not me moment driving home at sunset. I mean, I could really paint the picture of like when it hit me. (laughs) I think that's important that it was a feeling that it. Oh, my gosh. When we have memories that have strong emotion, Mm -hmm. those are meant to be elevated. So paint the picture. Like what was that? Yeah. It's interesting because I can identify like those three big moments. First, that one in the classroom of just, I can like put myself right back in that moment of this isn't meant for me. Immediately run through what other, what else is there? Okay, nothing. Go right back inside. Second moment, actually, when I found out about the YMCA job was in my parents' kitchen. I was just scrolling Facebook, like totally unceremoniously. I was not looking for another job. I thought I was going to be in this like small town classroom for the next 60 years of my life. It was like full body chills when I saw this ad. And it was like not even anything fancy. It was like, we're looking for a program director. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. It was like the most wild thing I've ever experienced. And then this moment, this why not me moment I was sharing about was like driving home at sunset. Like how cliche. And like the name came to me, Raising Rushel is what my Instagram was originally called. Just with that through line of what it looks like to raise our kids, raise our animals, raise our families, raise our crops, but most importantly, raise ourselves and raise each other. And so that's really where this idea was born from is I just want to find more people who are like me. I cannot be the only woman in a small town connected to agriculture, living in the middle of nowhere, that is also seeking a deeper level of intentionality and has goals and dreams for my life outside of what everyone else has expected of me or what I've expected of myself. Like, I just can't, I I cannot be the only one. And I didn't necessarily see representation of what that looked like around me. And so I was just hungry for connection. And so I did what any sane person would do coming out of COVID lockdown and started an Instagram account and started conversations. And, you know, the cliche thing to say is one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, a year later, I was leaving my job that I loved, that was comfortable. I could bring my kids to work, super flexible, great work environment, great coworkers. But it was nothing short of a leap of faith into, I don't know what this is going to look like. I did not have a business plan. I didn't have a game plan other than I just really want to dig into this space. And I want to drive impact in a way that's different than anything I've ever done before. And I think I also want to just prove to myself that I can create something, that I can do something bigger than I ever imagined. I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that's like, I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I've started like 10 businesses and I finally found my, like, no, I like stumbled into this with the, there are other people like me who I need to serve. And I need to bring together and I might fall flat on my face. I have no idea what this is going to look like, but why not? Why not? And that's where my husband and I were at is it's either all going to work out or what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I get another job. Okay. Like I'm ready for the next adventure either way. So that was a very messy six, 12 months or so, but it's led me to the work that I'm doing today, which is working with women in a one-on-one capacity, bringing together small small group mastermind groups, hosting in-person retreats, having my own podcast called Gather and Growth, and doing a lot of speaking around all of this. Just what does it look like to 
build a life with intentionality, build habits, surround yourself with like-minded people who are from every corner of small towns. I can't even just say across the country because I have women in this circle who are in Canada and Mexico and Australia that have that common denominator of living rural, maybe being connected to ag, loving small town life, but also just are seeking that intentionality of what does it look like to show up and live life on purpose? And maybe that's building the business. Maybe that's starting therapy. Maybe that's sharing online. Maybe that's a different career. Like it looks so different for so many of the women that are in this circle, but there is more commonality than difference. And I have had the just joy, honor, pleasure of building a community that is like, we see you for exactly who you are and hold space for all that you're going through and also like are holding up a mirror to face the hard things and push you towards whatever growth looks like as alignment in this season of life. I love this so much because for decades, personal growth was really career-minded. So if you worked for a company that Mm -hmm. brought in people like me, I worked for the Franklin Covey organization and taught the seven habits of highly effective people for 20 years. So if you worked for a company, Mm -hmm. that personal development, Mm -hmm. and it was about, is about intention and goals and healing. But that was the access point was you had to work for a company. And so you're bringing this beautiful set of tools and conversations into people who really just didn't have access before, not Mm -hmm. for any other reason than some company didn't, you know, sponsor it. Right, right. And that, that was my first gateway into this space. You know, I had a boss who was really growth minded and push me into reading. And like you said, it was very like professional growth, but professional growth and personal growth is completely one and the same. Like like it doesn't matter how much you try to dissect it. Once you get on the path of asking yourself hard questions and going through the practice of setting goals or recognizing your strengths and your growth points, like it forces you to look in a mirror in every way outside of work as well, or at least hopefully. And so That's why I I love the diversity of what growth looks like in my community because it's not exclusively for entrepreneurs. It's not exclusively for small businesses. It's not exclusively for for farm wives or or whatnot. It's like, where are you at? And like, what is it that you really want? Which I have found is a very hard question for most people to answer. Career folks, when I was writing the book, I asked on LinkedIn for people to describe a thriving life because my book, Write Your Own Story, is about what does thriving look like for you? Mm -hmm. And in the margins, when they would respond, I had 200 people respond on LinkedIn. They wrote, this is hard. When Mm -hmm. I said describe a thriving life, this is hard. I haven't thought about it. I should think about it. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, you've got me thinking about things that I should have already been thinking. I mean, it was just, Mm -hmm. that was the value of the assessment or survey was for me to realize, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Or so often, I think we arbitrarily attach what success looks like to certain benchmarks or goals, 
we're like, and it starts so young. It's like based on what we've seen, not what we want or what right. we're thinking about for ourselves. Right. It like starts when we're kids. It's yep. like, you know, learn more about this sport, get this award, do this thing. Like this achievement yep. addiction starts when we're kids. Yep. And then in high school, it's like, you know, be captain of the team, be president of this club, build your resume. Build like your resume. You gotta get 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 into the good college, like build out your college application so you can be well-rounded, so you can get in. And then you go and pick the right degree and get the job and then get married and have kids and grow your career. And then all of a sudden, like happily ever after, right? I was thinking about this the other day when reading my daughter a bedtime story from like her princess book. And it was a book that I think they had bought, my mom and her had bought secondhand at the library. So it was published in like the 70s or 80s or something. And it was like, and then the prince kissed her and they lived happily ever after. And I'm like, hmm, but did they? What was that like? What was their marriage dynamic? Like what came after the happily ever after? But that is the narrative that we've been sold is like once you do these five or 10 things, then it's all just going to work out. And so there's so many of us that I don't know if it's a waking up or something that are like, wait, I've done all the things. And I do have a good life. I am grateful. I have these beautiful children. I have this job that I love. I worked so hard for. I have this spouse who supported. Like everything's good, but something's not right. And I but think it's that not that's my good. Right. It's and it's I picked. It's like the worst feeling because we don't even realize that we didn't necessarily. You Pick just it. summarized the first two chapters of <laughs> because it, it, and and I said this to you before we hit record. I love when I meet someone who's having a similar experience from a, their own vantage point because to me yeah. that's when God is giving us all this chance to wake up. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is when I teach people about this external validation feel that we have from being the yes. queen to the degree to whatever validates us outside. The way I describe it is when we moved from the agricultural age of society mm -hmm. to the industrial age, that's when it's happened. Because in the agricultural age, we gathered to serve one another mm -hmm. in community because that's, mm -hmm. you know, this, that's why farms were created. So we could share yeah. a food source and we could work better together and be a community. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you showed up to serve from your place of expertise, whether, yes. you know, it was the livestock or crops or herbs for medicine or ran the general store, but you were serving one another so that you could mm -hmm. survive the industrial age. You went to work for someone else mm -hmm. and someone else paid you. Mm -hmm. and validated you. And all of a sudden we moved into this. You got to prove yourself and work harder because mm -hmm. it's not service. It's now for the money. Mm -hmm. And when we flip the script on that, it the economy grew so quickly that everybody thought, oh, well, it works. So then right. we took it to education. And so instead of that yes. schoolhouse environment where you're working and older kids are teaching younger kids, now it's individual achievement, grades. Mm -hmm benchmarks. And now yeah. we've got this unintended consequence of we've spent zero time in our most developmental years knowing who we are and what we want. Yes, absolutely. And now we've got 123 years of it. So it's generationally locked into our patterns. Mm -hmm. That's the way. And now I think you use the word waking up. And I, I often say that too, is then you wake up and you're like, 
I never spent five minutes asking what I wanted. I was just doing mm-hmm. the next thing. And mm-hmm. you described that in in your story. And mm-hmm. I call that our inner thrive guide. Mm-hmm. When you get chills from a Facebook ad. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't even good. <laughs> that's your inner thrive guide going, hey, I'm in yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I need you to listen to me. And what's mm-hmm. beautiful is when people like you listen. And you mm-hmm. just get curious about what that voice means and you start to follow it around. And now here you yeah, are in a place yeah. you never thought you'd be doing work that is beautiful. Yeah, it is so true. I say this at the end of each of my retreats is like, I I did more than just show up. Obviously, like I, you know, got the people here. I, I sold the thing, but at the end of it, I'm like, this is, I am a vessel for something that is so much bigger than me. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you did a good job, successful retreat. And I'm like, no, I, like, yes, I, sacred space. Yes. Like, I acknowledge that I was an active part of this. I acknowledge that, like, I put the momentum into bringing these people here, but they, they did the work in their own life transformation in this environment that we've co-created together. And the only reason that I'm here is because I said yes to something that scared the living daylights out of me. There is nothing more than some sort of divine intervention that has guided like those spaces being created and me being the person that has like brought that together. And it is the most indescribable feeling that I can even put into words because it's and I think that's just the beauty or the magic of it is like what can happen when you say yes, even when you don't have it all figured out. Especially when you especially don't have it all figured out. Especially when we don't have it all figured well, out. And I I love the realization that then God gets the credit because I didn't have a plan. I just started like you being curious and showing <laughs> up. And now all of a sudden people are saying this changed my life. And you're like, now it feels really daunting and yeah and then sitting in that space of Mm -hmm. discomfort it's it really is just daily discomfort (laughs) all the time just all the time (laughs) but I love that again I just want to underscore this because we have been steeped in the you got to have a business plan or you got to have a strategic plan or you got to have a degree or you got to have this outside of ourselves Mm -hmm. everything that you described it was an internal feeling. Mm-hmm. It was, is this it? Yeah. Oh, wait, I got chills looking at this ad. Oh my gosh, what if? Why mm-hmm. not me? And I yeah. call it reflection and connection. So that reflection moment of you just mm-hmm. looking around and going, why not me? Yeah. I'm just going to try. Then yeah. And then we'll, we'll see. Right. Here you are. And it's served yeah. so many people. Yeah, that's the through line of my keynote is like that. Who am I? Which we all have our own version of that. Right. It's like, I'm not something enough. Like, who am I to do this? What are they going to think? Like, this isn't even possible. And so transitioning that, you know, in all the ways that that did hold me back. Before we started re- recording, I was talking about how I, I did hold that back when I was in the classroom. I listened to that. And so it's transitioning that who am I to, to why not me? Why not? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? And I say, just take one step. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have it all figured out. Take one step and then see what happens next. 
It's mm-hmm. like I love the analogy of it's like this breadcrumb trail, you know. Yes. Just like, well, wait, here's a little nugget. Mm-hmm. Nugget. And then the next thing you know, it's you've gone way further than you thought. And why not keep going? Right. But we are so conditioned to have it all figure it out or make the right choice. Because if you make the wrong choice, there's going to be consequences. Like the good versus evil, the right versus wrong is so drowning Yeah, for so many people because we have been conditioned out of listening to our intuition and our inner voice. Well, you were a teacher. And if you get it wrong, there's a big red X on your paper. And Mm -hmm. how awful is that? That's Again, in our most formative years, those experiences tell us that wrong is bad. But Mm -hmm. I know that for me in this journey, some of my wrong decisions have (laughs) led to the most beautiful awareness of what was right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm learning to embrace the mistakes are just as valuable to me as the good stuff. Right. And maybe not even mistakes, maybe just... Guiding, <laughs> guiding posts. Yeah. And that's what we we have such an attachment to mistake or right or wrong or success or failure. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like you said, follow the breadcrumbs. What's the next thing in front of you that feels right? And that will bring you on the journey that you're meant to be on. And it likely will not be what you predicted or projected in the beginning. But I guarantee you that if you keep following that next thing that it, you're being pulled towards following that that creative energy or that intuition or that whatever you want to call it, divine intervention, that you will end up where you're meant to do be doing meaningful, purposeful, intentional, life-giving work. Yeah. And when I first started my business, I had come from the consulting world. Mm -hmm. I was on a team that launched a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. Mm-hmm. We're talking about strategic plan and getting it right. Like we were the poster children of of that. And so when people, when I left that and started my own company, people would ask me about my strategic plan. Yes. And I would say, I'm in recovery from strategic planning. Mm-hmm. I don't really have one. Yeah. And it, the look on their face, like, How could a responsible business consultant (laughs) who made all this money and done all this good all of a sudden just abandon all that work? And I really did need a cleansing from it. I needed to sit on my back patio with my journal and my Bible in my lap and just listen to my voice, listen Mm. to God's voice, and just not feel like I had to get it right Mm -hmm. and let some of that intuition and curiosity bubble back up. And it took a while. Yeah, and probably still like fights to to pop up into your mind. Yeah, 100%. It's like a constant choice to recognize that, see it for what it is, and then be like, but I'm going to do X, Y, and Z anyway. But I'm going to keep going. And you're right. It does end up in places where I'm like, oh, this is even better than it was in my little journal notes from mm-hmm. when I started this idea. And now that's the fun part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I started my business – most of the people I talked to thought I was completely off my rocker because they're like, what's your plan? I'm like, I don't have one. They're like, oh, are you already making money? Like, is this sustainable? I'm like, no, I have no idea. Like, I think I'd like to speak. I know I'd like to have a podcast someday. Maybe I'll do some code. I really don't know. And like, especially in older generations, it was deer in headlights. What do you mean? Yep. I'm like, I just am trusting. 
I'm having faith. I do not have it figured out for the first time in my life. And yeah, we're going to see. to say, I don't know how to tell people what you do. You work for the internet? And Instagram I, pay you money? And I no. would say, why do you need to? Mm. Because they ask me and I need an answer. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to help her develop her work track <laughs> <laughs> for who I am and what I do. It, it helped when I published the book because people know what that is. Like, well, <laughs> She's an author. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, that's fine. That's so true. That's yeah. so true. It's like, but isn't that how, isn't that funny? Even just thinking about something like Instagram, like how much pressure we put on ourselves. What am I? What do I put in that bio? How do I let people know who I am? And it's like, why? Why are we so obsessed with putting people in boxes? I think that's what we're so hungry to break out of. When we think think about, well, I'm late 50s. I'm much older than you. And, and my mom and me, we grew up without the internet, right? And so when when we thought about careers, the only thing that we had access to were the 12 people in our circle. There mm-hmm. were teachers, doctors, the neighbor, whatever mom and dad did, farmers. Like you were so limited on what your options were mm-hmm. that the only thing that people could think of for advice was make sure you can make money. Mm-hmm. And so you got kind of funneled into a very finite set of expectations. Yeah. But now when my kids and your kids are growing up, it is endless mm-hmm. about what our possibilities are. But there's that weird bridge between being raised by people who don't realize that you can build a life from literally nothing now. Yeah. And yeah. it is a viable income and noble work. Yes. Because when a, a kid would say, well, I'm, I'm going to be a songwriter. My son's a songwriter. Or I'm going to be an influencer in this area. For a while, people would look at you like, oh, that's what? irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're finally starting to get the traction where people can be more curious and not feel like a college degree is the only path to success. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a beautiful awareness for so many people just to follow mm-hmm. that curiosity. My that's what we're doing with my daughter's 21. Yeah. And she, you know, she has jobs where she pays the bills, but she's curious and figuring out what she wants mm-hmm. to do and I am so here for that. Yes. I was just talking about this on my Instagram stories the other day. Like I love Gen Z. They are not as obsessed with these like titles or roles or boxes or expectations like they know like that there's so much more to life than than work and they want to do meaningful work whether where they're a part of something and they are an integral piece of the team and they are seen and heard and respected and they're doing something that matters and that can be simple but they just their threshold for what their relationship with all of these different parts of their life looks like, I feel like is so much more grounded than my generation or even previous generations. I've had some different conversations around like intergenerational workforce and like, what do we do with these kids who are coming out of college? Because they're really challenging the industrial age model of leadership. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, they are awesome. Like empower them to lead because they are going to take this stuff to a whole nother level. 
because they are unbound by this like system of hierarchy or, you know, like, oh, I expect you to respect me because I am this and the other. And they're like, no, you treat me like trash. I'm not doing that. Like I can go get a job somewhere else or I can make double the amount of money on the internet doing whatever I want. Absolutely. I think the next 10 to 15 years is going to be really cool to watch to see how companies adapt to this because the ones that lean in and listen and like build community and work dynamics around this are going to thrive. And the ones that just like dig their heels into resistance and trying to push them into these boxes are going to lose them. And I I just think it's so cool. I love it. I still do a lot of consulting and leadership teamwork. And it's my favorite thing Mm -hmm. to just see how that's playing out and to help Mm -hmm. leaders see things differently and consider that things don't have to necessarily be the way that they've always been for them. Mm -hmm. And my daughter working retail, I can remember you know, she had asked off for a certain set of days and for family commitments and such. And they scheduled her and she went into her boss and said, no, mm-hmm. I told you that I needed this time off. This is what it's for. It's important to me. It's family commitment or even friend commitment. It's just mm-hmm. as important to them. And I was so proud of her, but at that age, I would have been like, mm-hmm. I got to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be disrespectful. Don't want to rock just, the boat. I would have went to work and then been mad about it and hated my job and hated my life for it. And she just went in and said, no. Yeah. And yeah. they changed it. They fixed it. Mm-hmm. She's a good worker and they wanted her to stay. Yep. It's just like, wow, I could have mm-hmm. done that too, but I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as she's navigating what she wants to do, the pressure to know already, every year at graduation season, I put out posts that say, please don't go and ask them what their plan is. Mm -hmm. You're there to eat cake and celebrate and hand them cash, not to know what their life plan is. Mm -hmm. They don't know. And you're just going to make them feel bad that they don't know. Yes. And I even with good, well-intentioned family members have to remind them that with my kids. I, my mom said something last year about to my daughter who decided not after a couple years of college, she was like, this is not for me. I was like, good. I don't really want to pay for it. If it's not for you, let's be done with it. And my mom was like, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, hold on a minute. When I was her age, I had ran away from home and was working MTV spring break in Daytona Beach, Florida with only thing on my mind was making tips and having enough time to drink all weekend. So mm-hmm. the fact that she is a really good human who's got a job and doing great things, I think she's okay. And P.S., I turned out. Like right. I was wild running away doing crazy stuff at her age. And look, I'm a coach and a consultant with a 401k and a book. Like I think <laughs> everything works out. Let's just let it work out and not right. – pressure people at 21 years old Mm -hmm. to think they need a life. Yeah. 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 It was interesting. I led um, one of my workshops with a group of interns last week and they were high school, early college age. And typically I'm working with an entirely different demographic. And so it was such a cool gift to give them to be like, you don't just have to think about what your major is going to be. 
you don't just have to think about what the next career thing is because so many of them were like, I got to figure this out. I got to know. I got to make the money. And I'm like, stress. And I'm like, let's take this step back. Like, what do you want your like your 360 view of your life to look like? Like, let's release the pressure that you need to have this like professional game plan at 17. And let's figure out like, what do you love? What's important to you? What are your values? Like, how do you want to be spending your time? What do your relationships look like? And just like, then let that be your guiding post as you're making these big decisions. And throughout hours of the workshop, in my mind, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is totally flopping. They're not talking. They're so confused. Like, what's going on? And by the end, their takeaways were so profound. Nobody ever told them that or asked oh them my gosh yeah i mean They're just quiet because they'd never mm-hmm. had the space to think about that yeah yeah and so it was a cool representation for me of like trust the process like stop trying to manage how this is all going to work out based on other okay. experiences you've had because by the end it was like their takeaways were like giving themselves permission to follow their joy. Or one person was like, I just, and this is a goal setting workshop, but we kind of reverse engineer it. I do it differently than I think a lot of people approach goals. But one was like, I want to grow my relationship with God. This is like an 18 year old who is like an intern in this business. And that is the big goal he comes down to is I want to grow closer. Another one of just like, Another takeaway was like, I don't have to have it all figured out today. Like I can break this down into baby steps and it's much more manageable where I was feeling so overwhelmed. Because you've got 60 some years to let yeah. it play out. Yeah. And it was, it was so cool. So cool. I'm so glad you're doing that. Just imagine if more 17, 18, 19, 20, one year olds mm-hmm. get that opportunity. Yeah. That's what the adults and I were talking about after. It's like, we can't manage like what they take out of this, but we're planting the seeds. And it's like, did anyone tell us this when we were in college? Maybe. Did we listen? Probably not. But those seeds are planted and maybe someday they come back to that and remember that experience and like already have this ingrained permission to like take a step back and look at the big picture instead of focusing on that next achievement that is going to define success in their life. Because we only get so many of those. If we think about major milestones, we graduate, we get the degree, we land the job, we get married, we have, you know, there there are very, con- we launch the book. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be like you someday. You are cool. You are. But those only happen so many times over the span of our life. And so if we're constantly vying for those big moments to make us feel a certain way, then we're always going to be living in this gap of not enoughness. We're going to be trapped in this cycle of unless I do this thing to prove my worth, like I am not a valid human. And the majority of our days are not major milestones. It's going on a walk and enjoying the sunrise. It's sitting on the back patio and having coffee. It's getting to have really cool conversations like this that you're just like, that was magic. And when we start to build our life around these small moments and these pieces of gratitude for these micro experiences and start living into work that is intentional, 
and relationships that are intentional and taking care of ourselves in intentional ways. That's how we feel good every step of the way in between all of these like benchmarks that we've been defined as successful. And we've just met. You have literally just described how I say the difference between striving and thriving. Striving mm-hmm. is there's something out there that's the answer. I got to go find it and bring it in and it has to yes. validate my worth. Mm-hmm. Thriving is I know inside who I am and I'm here intensely self-aware and vulnerable, ready to serve. Mm-hmm. And it's different, man. That feeling of the internal versus the external is a beautiful thing. Isn't it just fun when you meet someone for the first time and you're like, yeah, yes. <laughs> let's go do more of that. And, and and that that just affirming feeling of we have to keep going because we need to connect with others like us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we change the world. I call it the age of humanity versus this industrial age stuff. We've still got yeah. the remnants of it. And honestly, it's like going back to the agricultural mm-hmm. mindset of communities serving us as individuals serving and i just mm-hmm. think that's that's the world that i want to live in and and you mentioned that like milestone events and i did a keynote one time where i illustrated that and i did this like walk across the stage of high school graduation and or no i started with get your driver's license high school graduation pick a college graduate college get married have your first baby and i said and then there's like a 50-year stretch of nothingness, work, <laughs> and difficulty. If that's mm-hmm. really that external validation, mm-hmm. unless you get a promotion or you buy a new house. or mm-hmm. But those, those don't always satisfy internally like we thought they were going to. Oh, no. You get to that and you don't even celebrate it. You're just on to the next no. thing. And then you're like, I got to go find something else to fill this thing up. Mm-hmm. And when you fill up from the inside and then just serve to the outside, mm-hmm. then a sunset is filling up. And mm-hmm. that walk I had in the woods with my dog this morning was yeah. filling me up. And I love coffee on the patio in the summer. It's filling me up. And that's endless. I have an endless mm-hmm. supply of those little mm-hmm. micro moments available to me. Yeah. And I love that you said the like age of humanity. And this is this is really how influence spreads is now, if I think of, yes, I, I I love the day-to-day work that I do, the conversations that I get to have, the realizations that I get to watch people come to. That's all really cool. But when I think about the bigger mission of why I do what I do, it is the opportunity to change rural communities from the inside out through the hearts of rural women. Because that's how it is. Heal people, heal people. And self-aware people create more self-aware people. And that's not shouting to the rooftops. It is one-on-one conversations. It is one person's path of awareness and intentionality that is a ripple effect into their kids and their spouse and their neighbors and the people that they know. I know that I am a piece of changing rural communities to be more open-minded and inclusive and supportive and loving. And it sounds like such a bigger thing, but it's it's all one person at a time. If you want to change the world, go change your life and then have a conversation with someone else. 100%. In fact, I'd be amiss if I didn't just wrap us up with that <laughs> because 
that's it. I use the the flash mob metaphor to wrap mm-hmm. my book up and say it's, you know, I love that moment of one person joins and then another person joins. Mm-hmm. Another person joins. That's what the age of humanity is. It's like mm-hmm. one big flash mob. <laughs> yeah. And we were we were never meant to do life alone. Nope. It comes up all the time. It's like, oh, I, I hate talking about the hard things or the things I'm going through or the ways that I'm struggling. It's like we were never supposed to. We were never supposed to bear the weight and the stress and the expectations that we do by ourselves. Every early society of humanity up until the last couple hundred years has been in community. Yeah. The industrial we age might have made you more money, but it really had unintended humanity no. consequences. Oh my gosh, yes. And it's like, no wonder, no wonder young moms are drowning, trying to do everything by themselves because we were never supposed to. I looked and across so, the table at a little girl when my mom and dad and I were having lunch or dinner, whatever it was on Sunday. And it, this little girl looked like my little girl at that age. Mm-hmm. And my mom looked at her, you know, longingly, lovingly in this memory. And I said, I love my kids. I love raising my kids. But seeing that little girl actually brings a little bit of PTSD mm-hmm. of how hard it was for me until I realized some of the things that you're talking about, thinking that I had to have it all figured out mm-hmm. and doing it all and just being exhausted and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I don't want that for my daughter. I don't want that for the future generations. I want them to know that we can do this together and they don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. And that was like the biggest catalyst that started my health and personal growth journey is I had my son, but it was like once I'd had my daughter, I'm like, I have these two beautiful kids that I love and they're getting, I come home and I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed. I'm so frustrated that I'm mad at them for existing. And I don't want to hate my body anymore. And I don't want to be stuck in this cycle of stress and constant overwhelm. Like I want my kids to experience life in a totally different way. And not to say that things are always easy, but there's got to be more than life than just showing up in like, hustling through every moment of the day. And that moment, like talk about moments sitting on the couch holding this six-month-old baby after this like whole summer of overwhelm was like, something's got to be different. That's what started it all. And I think I'm sure you can identify like a, a series of moments that you had that got you on the path that you're on. And so the more that we can help each other see those moments and then lean in to intentionality, like that's going to be the ripple effect. So anyway. how can people get a hold of you and work with you? Because I know there's going to be so many women that listen to my podcast that are in rural communities because that's where I came from. So some of mm-hmm. them are women that I grew up with that will yeah. resonate so much more with your approach. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So as far as social media goes, I'm the most active on Instagram. You can find me at my name. Emily Rushel, R-E-U-S-C-H-E-L is how you spell that super fun name that I married into. <laughs> my website's emilyrushel.com. You can learn more about masterminds and retreats and whatnot there. And my podcast is called Gather in Growth, literally just bringing people together with that intention of personal and professional growth. Love to, to connect with anyone here in this space and grow the circle of intentionality. Thank you for answering the call to do weird stuff that didn't make sense at the time. Hey, you too. You too. (laughs) We're all in this together. Amen, sister. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all. Fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.